Hello, welcome to episode 11 of the Book of Our Culture podcast. This week I'm joined by Red Rum Club, who in the last 18 months have released their debut album, have been on a headline tour of the UK, and have been nominated for Best Live Act in the AIM 2020 Awards. Enjoy. Hello, I'm here with the lead singer of Red Rum Club, Francis. Uh, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? I'm all right. Uh, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Um, we've had a, even though we're in lockdown, we've had a busy couple of weeks, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. All gearing up for last Wednesday, we released a new single, Eleanor, and yeah. then uh, more music in the pipeline, we think. So we've just been getting all the sort of bits and bobs, all the behind the scenes sorted for them. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching any of the Glastonbury experience over the last few days? Yeah, I've watched a few things, but um, I'm one of the, I don't like to, you know, it gets me a bit down, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you watch yeah. it with nostalgia and some things, I had, like I watched, I watched clips of Bowie last night, mm-hmm. um, but then there was other things where, where I was just like, no, I don't want that because... Life's a lot different now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you played there last year. It must have been quite surreal. It was. It was very strange, the whole experience. Um, it was exactly what, you know, exactly every other festival experience we had, mm-hmm. but better. But as far as, like, the actual gig was concerned, it was just, we were so in the moment. It was so, like, sort of, oh, this is it, this is it. We never really took it off. When we, when we come off, we were like, well... We never took it in. Sorry, you know what I mean. So when we come yeah, off, we're like, "Wow, that was it. That was, that was Glastonbury." <laughs> uh, I watched uh, you play. Would you rather be lonely? I watched that uh, when you played at Glastonbury. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just looked brilliant. Had you ever been there before, just to watch? Yeah. So the year before was the, the year before we played was the fallow year, wasn't it? But then the year before that, mm-hmm. I uh, I went down there. Um, I had to sleep in a car park on the Wednesday night, and then uh, Wednesday morning. Came and we got we got we got through the through the gates then, mm-hmm. just the queue was too big and that and then uh, it was the it was the it's the best place on earth the only way I can yeah. describe it people always ask what it's like and the people who've been to festivals like all the lads all the other lads in the band they've been to fe- play festivals mm-hmm. but they were I don't think they were quite ready for 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 what Glastonbury is it's mm-hmm. it's not a fe- it's different isn't it it's like a pilgrimage yeah. everyone goes and. It's 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 a it was special every year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was special there. Yeah. I saw the used there. Would you rather be lonely as a soundtrack for this year? Uh, oh how, yeah, yeah. How did that come about? We don't have a clue, to be honest. <laughs> we don't have a clue. Um, we met a lot of the BBC crew, like backstage, Hugh Stevens, um, interviewed by a few people and stuff. You know, like the BBC introducing crew, as well as James Thalen, who who's like. He's the, I think he was the head of music at BBC. Um, <laughs> I think he still is, actually. So we got to know them, uh, and we got talking to them. But as far as, like, you know, the, the, there was no sort of uh, warning. We just woke up one day and someone had tagged us in it. <laughs> and that was it. That's what we knew. Like, it must wow, be quite that? strange. Yeah, it was, it was. It was a surreal moment, to be honest. We thought someone was having us off on and, like, had edited it and put it, put it over. <laughs> well, it's your most played song on Spotify. Do you think that it's your best song? I don't know what what is a good song. So what what yeah. is a bit like? I mean, it's probably the catchiest. Yeah, it's probably the hookiest. It's got some mm-hmm. meaning behind it. Or oh, the hookiest so far. Wait, wait for the ones to come. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Just that one line sort of sort of resonates with people. And I think as when the big crowd gets together, you need to you know to unify people. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think we've got songs that like a deeper meaning and complex musically and stuff, but mm-hmm. would you rather be lonely? So it's got a good message behind it as well as like it just being dead simple. Yeah. That one line. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what people are drawn to. You mentioned you re- you released uh, Eleanor last week. Yeah. Uh, that all being recorded before lockdown. Yeah, yeah. The the whole second album was recorded before lockdown. Right. We done some of it the well, it was all before Christmas actually, so we we've been sat on it for quite a while. <laughs> um Do you go on? Yeah, it was just so it's we've been sat, we were planning to release it about two two months earlier than we actually did. We wanted to keep the ball rolling, you know, the live mm-hmm. shows were going great and stuff, so but then lockdown came and we had to cancel a tour and stuff like that. So we just held our file a little bit while we sort of worked out what was going on. Um, and then it reached the point where we were just like, right, let's just put, let's just put something out and hopefully lockdown will start to ease as, as we re- release. Are you the songwriter in the band? No. Well, I, I do me bit, you know what I mean? Like it's sort mm-hmm, of, yeah. sometimes it, I do, I, I am, I come in with, with the idea that starts off a song, but a lot mm-hmm. of the time it's, a lot of the time it's Tom, um, my cousin, the guitarist, and he comes in and, and he's usually got like a, a chorus hook or a, an idea or a theme or a riff, whatever it might be, and he's developed it so far that then we add to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. We all have, we all have our say. So the drummer will say, "Well, what do you think about this beat and what do you think about that beat?" And we're not precious about it. So if Tom comes in with an idea and it's rubbish, then we tell him it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's sort of one. Of, I think one of the reasons. There's, there's a good filtering process, so only the good stuff gets through, I think. Yeah, and you said you said you'd recorded a uh, full album. Yeah. Uh, how long did that take from first to last? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, we 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 done it like in part. So we spent a week in the studio at the end of last summer, and we got some some tunes down and a few ideas. Maybe not fully recorded them and finished them, but we had the, the ideas we had knocking about. We we put them down, um, and then we left it for a couple of months. And we sort of worked out whether we liked it or not, or whether we sort of were on the right track, or what songs were cutting it and what what weren't. And then we went, and then we booked three weeks in solid. Then and uh, and went, you know, with the aim of getting it finished by the end of the three weeks. Um, it was close in some in some areas. There were two or three songs that we recorded we thought were definite on the album, and then ended up not being on the album. We just, just for some reason we couldn't get them right. Mm-hmm. But then other songs that we were while we were sat in the studio messing around with riffs or whatever, and, and they sort of these ideas developed into songs while we were recording. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So sort of yeah, we pro- probably done it in about a month altogether. But uh, the fa- the the first week was a lot. It was end of, end of last summer. Yeah. I've noticed uh, in a lot of your songs, uh, trumpet's quite prominent. And uh, to be honest, before I heard like your band, yeah, I don't think I'd really put a trumpet in an indie band, but it just seems to work. Yeah, yeah, I know it does. Yeah, I don't know why. To be honest, I don't know why. So, I f- I felt the same. To be honest, Kieran, like when we first we were jamming with the trumpet and stuff, jammed with it, it was like, how's this gonna work? It's not really sort of you know. Mm-hmm. It's a clackle instrument. It doesn't really fit on this and that. And then, honest to God, within probably half an hour of our first practice together with a trumpet line, we were like, "Oh yeah, this could be something. This this could sort of work." Yeah. So how did the idea come about to put it in the first place? Well, there's <laughs> there's a few stories knocking about because we all 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 six of us tell a different story. But 
what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> the actual truth was we were writing and recording songs and playing gigs and it was all going well. And the next manager of ours um, just said, listen, indie bands aren't being signed by major record labels. Um, and your songs are great and stuff, but you need something to, to set you apart. Yeah. You need something to, to you know to make you sound a little bit different than the next four lads with guitars. Um, mm-hmm. So we thought we'd well, you know, that was like a kick to the stomach, to be honest. We were a bit like, God, what, what do you mean? We're not good enough, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't that. It was just the fact that we, we never really had a... Well, we did have unique unique selling points, but we wanted something else, you know what I mean? Change, mm-hmm. is, isn't, change is good sometimes. Um, and then we bumped into Joe, Mike, the lad, the guitarist, jumped into bumped into uh, Joseph, who he went to school with in a pub. And Mike told him about the story, said, yeah, we're in a band, we need something different with a bit of trumpet or keyboards. And he said, well, I play trumpet. And then he come along for a jam and... Then, then he, we haven't been able to get rid of them since. <laughs> well, so your first singles out about four or five years ago, Alone Together. How much would yeah. you say the band has like changed and progressed over those years? A lot, to be honest. Yeah, a lot. Just because we we, we wrote Alone Together, and Alone Together was a song that was that was pre trumpet, and mm-hmm. it was just us in the room playing, you know, playing songs yeah. that we sort of could tap our feet along to. But now that like we're sort of recording artists and during the process of becoming recording artists, we're spending a lot of time in the studio and thinking about writing an album as a piece of mm-hmm. art. Then it's changed us. We, you know, the way we write songs and and the way our attitudes towards the bands. To be honest, you know, back then when when we released all together, it was the band was very much still just like a a nice hobby of ours that possibly mm-hmm. could someday turn into something. But it just gave us an excuse to go and play some gigs and, you know, yeah. and enjoy ourselves and impress a few girls along the way. <laughs> but then now it's changed to a point where it's like, oh, no, we're, we're, we write songs now to, to, to for our own benefits, thinking <laughs> this is how good we can be rather than just messing about. <laughs> yeah. Well, as well as that, like, your music change, you've also got progressively bigger gigs. Uh, yeah. what, what would you say has been your highlight gig? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Glastonbury. That was that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, our hometown shows. We sold the O2 Academy out in Liverpool uh, twice now. But last September, you know, after the album was out, we uh, it, it, it within six six months before the gig, we'd sold the the, the show out. So you know, we, mm-hmm. it took us six months to sort of steady ourselves and get excited about that gig. So that was definitely a highlight. But then there's other things like we went we went to South Korea and Romania and Norway, mm-hmm. traveling that far and turning up and people know your songs, it, it, <laughs> that you know that's special in a different way. So there's been so many, but you know they're probably the highlights. Them live shows, Glastonbury, Isle of Wight Festival was another good one, hometown shows, and Europe. Yeah, is it is it much different playing in like other countries compared to the UK? Yeah, it is. You know. Just from our point of view, we're very you're more like sort of apprehensive. You don't know what what yeah. you know what they're going to make of it, or whether anyone's going to turn up, or whether they're going to like you. But from behind the scenes as well, you're treated a lot. Uh, you're treated like a proper band. It's it's very strange to say, you know, because they, they can't do enough for you. They, they, they like the fact that you're there. I think they appreciate music and the art a little bit more than than, than we do here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so you, you you treat it like royalty. When you go to Europe, yeah, you, you become a rock star. <laughs> you've with all this going on, you've had to arrange a lot, but rearrange a lot. Sorry, yeah. But it must be quite exciting knowing what you have planned over the next like one and a half years. Yeah, it is. It's it's very exciting. Um, I just want to get on with it now because I've I've spent too much time thinking about it. <laughs> no, it's being in a band be, for the last two years. We've we've we haven't really had enough. To, any time off to think about things so we don't we don't yet we never think about the negatives you know what i mean <laughs> we never like worry about things we go, what if this is you know what if this doesn't happen or what if this happens and so we've never really had time to worry whereas now over the last couple of months we have <laughs> yeah so would you say this has been your biggest challenge as a band right in the second album probably was that was the biggest challenge yet yeah, because we were so busy while we were doing it and there was you know we'd set the bar however high people were expecting stuff. You know, like these heard the first album, we had actual fans who were like, oh, I can't wait for the second one. And mm-hmm. we didn't want to let them down. So that writing it was probably the hardest. Um, yeah, and then a close second is the months we've been sitting on it, <laughs> sitting on it well, and thinking, well, we should have maybe done this or changed this guitar and changed this trumpet line or whatever. But now we just want to get it out there and let it be what it is. You know what I mean? Hopefully people like it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your first album there. Uh, where did the name Matador come from? Um, the song we had, we had a song called Matador. <laughs> it was just sort of a, a love song, you know, like sort of the being the Matador as with with your partner, being the bull. You feel like you're dancing around them. It's it's sort of like that, like you know, love tussle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was a song. It was probably one of the oldest songs we've got. We just wrote it. I think we wrote it about six years ago, to be honest. And then with the Spanish uh, sort of sounds of the trumpet and that, it just made it made sense for the song to be for the album to be called Matador. You know what I mean? It it, mm-hmm. it, it sort of it it just fitted. It's strange. Mm-hmm. Well, you're actually the first artist I've had on here that has an album out, so that's something for you. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah. Well, we'll soon be we'll soon have a second one uh, if all things go to go to plan, like. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, just to finish, uh, <clears throat> we've had some questions sent in. Great. Uh, so there's one from at Humphrey Kibble White. Uh, who are your top bands of the nineties? Of the what? Of the nineties? Yeah. Oh God, I don't know what bands are the nineties. I mean, you you can't look past Oasis, can you? No. Uh, you can. You, I mean, just from my point of view, they sort of took up all. My, I mean, I was only the nineties. I was only what. I was only seven seven years in the nineties, so mm-hmm. <laughs> but it seemed to just be Oasis or Blair. That was yeah. like the flat for the nineties, I think. I don't think I I got time to look past them. <laughs> Would you say like they were like your main musical influences when recording albums, or has it been more since then? No, probably more since then to be honest, because I was always aware of uh, growing up. Uh, I was always aware of Oasis and I was, and the Beatles were probably more prominent in in, in our lives, being lads from Liverpool. But then I only start getting into we only start getting into music as you're a teenager, really, don't you? And start finding your own like trends and your own uh, your own preferences. Uh, the first band I ever got excited by was the Art of Monkeys, um, and then it's, and then that just opened the gap. That it just opened the, the the way then didn't it to to all the other bands that come along. I remember listening to the Fratellis, that Costello mm-hmm. music album. That was just unbelievable. They were probably the. They were the, probably the two that I got excited by. Probably me and Tom together as cousins. We remember I introduced Tom to the Arctic's and he introduced me to Fratelli's. Mm-hmm. 
And then Arcade Fire was another one, actually. Arcade Fire was sort of another one when Wake Up came out. That's you, that's boss. Yeah. We've got one from uh, uh, Matt Brooks uh, saying he saw you at Nibley Festival last year. Nibley? Asking, Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it. Wait, wait, is he insinuating, is he suggesting that I was drunk or something? Yeah, I remember I'm, that one. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think. No, yeah, I remember Nibley Festival. Boss Festival, got great stage. Sunny day as well, I remember it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, that was a. There's so many, fe- there's some festivals that just like you remember just because of the weather. Yeah. You just you turn up and you think, oh, this is a great festival day. Yeah, I, I noticed you were playing a uh, transmit in Glasgow next summer. I'll be yeah. going to that. So you there, yeah. Hopefully I'll see you. Happy days, uh, yeah. One more question before you go something that asks okay. all my guests. Uh, might be a tough one, so you can name a few if you can't say exactly. But what's, in your opinion, the best album of all time? Oh, Rumours, Fleetwood Mac, Sergeant Pepper, obviously. Pepper's. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think that's. They're the only two. Oh, Pet Sounds, Beach Boys, probably. Yeah, they're up there. <laughs> um, I, I haven't. Re- not really. Any recent ones, really, that I can think of? There probably is. Later on, I'll probably think, "Oh my god, why didn't I say that one?" Well, you can you can send them to me if you want me to say them after. <laughs> All right, yeah. Disclaimers, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate thanks your time. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bucket of Culture podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode and go check out Red Drum Club's latest single, Eleanor, wherever you get your music. I'll be back here next Tuesday interviewing Andrew Cushion. Enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>